0: welcome to church how y'all feeling today you live you good come on that was weak it's beautiful outside you should be excited to be alive in ohio right now hey i want to send my love to our lancaster campus what's up lancaster if you're watching online we're excited to have you with us live right now man i am pumped i'm excited listen if you're newer to our church you could not pick a better season to, to lean into everything that's happening. I mean, we got XO week. It's gonna be powerful. We got 1X. You do not want to miss that. If you have vacation plans, get back early, leave late, do not miss 1X, okay, July 21st. Uh I'm telling you, it's going to be an incredible day, incredible experience. And what you know, around here, we don't believe in taking the summer off. I know you're in relaxed mode. I know you're in chill mode because it's summer, but listen, I, I just want to challenge you and say, hey, summer, we, we kind of, we put into overdrive in the summer. And I believe that if you lean into God, even in the summer, it doesn't matter what season that you can get something out of it, that God wants to do something in your life. If you, men, do you believe that today? Come on, are you alive? Come on, I don't preach to some people a message, but you got to tell me that you're here today because I am pumped to kick off this new series called Gideon. Boy, I love it. This is one of my favorite things to do when I preach is every summer for the last several years, uh, I like to take just a season, a little bit of time, a series of talks, just to kind of focus on the life of, of someone that maybe if you were like me, maybe you didn't have this experience. I grew up going to Sunday school, and there are some epic characters that we know Moses and David, people in the Bible, that their stories kind of feel almost like Sunday school fantasy, than they are real. And so one of the things I like to do is I like to preach to high school, college, adults, retirees, and, and I like to take these stories that are almost fantasy to you, and I like to kind of just drill them right into us. And say, because I really believe, listen, I, I believe something happens when you read the stories of what God has preserved for us in this Word. I believe that something powerful happens when you read these stories. They're not just great fairy tales. But I believe that God wants to do something in your life and that I believe this, that God can change your story through someone else's story. That if you will enable him and let him into your life, that God will use this story and the story of Gideon to to speak to your life. And and if you're going to be gone for much of this series, if you're lucky enough to go on a three-week vacation, you're going to miss the rest of it. Let me just give you the the main thesis of what we're going to talk about because when I look at Gideon's life, and maybe you don't know anything about him, you're going to learn. Okay, when I look at Gideon's life, there's one central theme that I think speaks to me. And I believe it will speak to you. It's just one basic truth, and that is this. That God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. How many of you believe that today? Come on. Do me a favor, I want every person to say say that out loud with me. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That is you and that's me. If you're here today and you say, I feel ordinary, then you are in the right place today. Because I have a message and through Gideon's life, I believe it's going to speak to you. Because it doesn't matter, we can all think that we're ordinary, but can I tell you this? The purpose God has for you is not ordinary, it's extraordinary and if you don't believe that by the time we get done today I hope you will and so if you got your Bible we're gonna dive into Gideon's story it's found in Judges chapter 6 so if you got an electronic device or an actual Bible I don't know if you've seen one of these before young people this thing's got pages on it and uh, I know it's summer so you haven't looked at an actual book in a long time but uh, sometimes it's good just to get the old Bible out right I use electronic too so that's all right Judges chapter six, it's the seventh book of the Bible. Now, let me give you just a real quick context because context matters. Um, if you know the story of Israel, let me let me set it up this way. The nation of Israel had, had kind of lived in Egypt for, for 400 years. It was a family that turned into a nation that was oppressed and they cried out to God. And so God sent Moses, I'm just giving you the short version. And he sent Moses as a deliverer who rescued them with God's power out of the hand of the Egyptians. And then God said, I'm gonna give you a land that I promised to your great ancestor, Abraham, the promised land. And I know if you've maybe been around church or school, you've heard that before. And so God takes them through the wilderness and after 40 years, they eventually make it into the promised land and God uses a man named Joshua to lead the conquest. They have to fight. They gotta defeat armies bigger than them. Cities that have fortified walls, but with God's help, they're able to do that. And they conquer the land and they settle in the land. When you get to Judges, that's the very next book, it covers a period of time in Israel where there was no real leader. They didn't have a king. There's no one person in charge for any length of time. And let me tell you what happens in your life and my life. If there's no leadership in our lives, we tend to go astray. And this is exactly what happened to the people of Israel. Judges chapter 6, verse 1, if you've got it. Let's start there. It says this, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. That's a really long time out. Seven years. He put them in the hands of the Midianites. See, see what happened? Let me tell you what happened and why God did this. Because it kind of sounds like God's cruel. That, That he allowed this other nation to kind of oppress them. And the Midianites' neighboring nation would come into the land of Israel they had settled in and would just, they would just come in and ransack them and take whatever they wanted, kill their animals, leave them without crops. I mean, they did this to control them. This was a controlling thing. And, And it says that God allowed them to experience this for seven years. Now let me tell you why this happened. When they got into the land and they got settled in nice houses that they didn't build and they got comfortable in the land that was producing for them, the truth is they forgot God, that's what happened. And you know, I believe that this is also a temptation for all of us, for your for your life and my life, is that what I find is that when we're in a place like we're in the desert or we're in the wilderness, and we're desperate for God, you know, when you're dependent on God, you know, when you need manna every single day just to survive, when you get to those kind of hardships and those tight places, oftentimes those are the moments when you're closest to God and you're leaning into God. Those are the times when you say, I need to find a church. Those are the times when you say, I need some help. I need some hope in my life. And then all of a sudden, once you kind of meet that hope through Christ and all of a sudden he begins to change things in your life and you see his hand of blessing in your life and then all of a sudden things get comfortable you know you get settled i get settled in my routine i get settled into life and now i got a good job and now the bills are getting paid and we're doing all right all of a sudden that's when we tend to forget god let's be honest it's on the mountain peak that is the most dangerous moments of your life because when you get into success that's when all of a sudden you're like i don't really need i mean i got this i'm doing pretty good on my own like, I got this covered. I'm good, right? This is what happened to Israel. They forgot God. They forgot that God helped them conquer their enemies. And, and what happened is they, they forgot God, and they started to worship false gods, gods of the neighboring nations. They got lured in by the cultures and, and, and all the peoples around them, and they began to worship other gods. Now, I know that you would say, well, I, I don't do that. And I know today it's like we don't have false images that maybe we bow down, maybe we don't have that kind of culture of religion in our nation, but the truth is we do it all the time. We find ourselves worshiping, it's just not images and idols, it just looks like our career. It, it, it's, it's worshiping the house that we can afford. It's worshiping the car that we can drive. It's what you want know, the greatest false God that a lot of us tend to worship, if I could just be real? The greatest false god most of us tend to worship is ourselves. I know, I know that doesn't sound you like I'd never do that. I know, but when you live life and life's all about you you just go with life and, you know, you just kind of, you do you and I do what my life on my terms, the way I want to do it, then really you're elevating yourself to be God. And so this is what Israel did is they forgot God. That's why David, the psalmist had to come along in Psalm 103 verse two and say, praise the Lord. Oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Because if you forget all that God's done in your life, you will take for granted his hand in your life. And then God might just lift his hand. I heard this quote one time and I think it is so true. I heard this quote, it goes like this. Whatever is taken for granted, have you ever heard this? Will eventually be taken away. Do you know how true that is? You take your spouse for granted long enough, eventually you might find yourself alone. You take your kids for granted, they're going to grow up right in front of your eyes and you never build a relationship with them. You take your job for granted, you might start performing at a level that caused you to lose your job and they won't need you at the company anymore. So whatever is taken for granted in your life will eventually be taken away. And so here's what God did. God said, okay, you don't need me. You got it? Fine. You can do it on your own. And all he did was just lift his hand of protection. They didn't even know it was there. And the Midianites would just come in and they would ravage them and and they would pillage and plunder them all the time so they got it got so bad and this is what we do this is kind of like it's rhythm let's be honest it's like i need god okay god oh it's awesome now i'm comfortable now i don't need god oh it gets bad again i need god this is this was the book of judges over and over and so they cried out to the lord and here's what god did it says in verse 11 judges six if you're there it says the angel of the lord came and sat down under the oak in ophrah that belong—that's Oprah, not Oprah. Some of y'all excited. Oh my gosh, she might be about that old. I don't. I, I n- not probably not. Okay, sorry if you love Oprah. And and it sat down under the oak in Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Not now. Let me let me paint this picture because. If you don't understand it, um, wheat, in order to use it, when they would grow it and harvest it, you would have to get the grain out of the stock. And the way you do that, this is kind of old school miss how they roll, right, is they would stomp it. You stomp on the wheat and it would cause the grains to come out and then they collect it up and they use it for baking and all those things. Now they normally do that in the field where you harvest it in fact really what they would do is they would have their animals oxen and all that trample on it and then go collect it let them do the hard work but they were so afraid of the midianites coming in to to steal them because anytime they see them in the fields harvesting there's these bands of 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 the midianites that would just come pass through and would just by force take it and so gideon is hiding it from the midianites by stomping on it on a wine press now now If you've never seen an old ancient wine press, I got to see one when I went back to Israel, and it's actually usually cut out of rocks, and it's just this kind of, uh, it's a hard rock kind of um, pit where they stomp on grapes. The same process you do with wheat, you do with wine. And you stomp on the grapes, and then the juice flows out of it into a cistern where they can collect it and let it ferment and turn into wine. And so here's Gideon, instead he's doing, not doing it in the field, he's doing it on a wine press. Why? Because it's in the rocks where he can hide it. And so, an angel appeared to him. And it says in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I know it doesn't look like it because he's hiding in the rocks. But the angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I like Gideon's response. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord. Um, Excuse me. He said, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of God. Of many he said, I thought God was with us. I had always heard growing up about how we were his chosen people. This is Gideon. I I thought God was on Team Israel. I thought he was on our side. Right? If he's on our side and they're the enemies of the Lord. I thought God was on our side, on our team, but it seems like he switched sides. I wonder if any of you have ever been in a season of your life where you have expressed those same feelings. I thought God was with me. I thought God was with me. Why aren't the treatments working? I thought God was with us. Why is he still leaving? I thought God was with us. Why am I going through this? You see, I bet all of us have been in that place where we feel like Gideon. When, when maybe the preacher says, the Lord is with you, and you're going, where is he? Because it doesn't feel like he's with me. Where is God? Because my life is nothing but problems. My life is nothing but pain. I just, I don't know where God is. And can I say something to that? Because I know you're struggling. And maybe some of your faith feels like it's kind of down a little bit. You kind of feel like God's left you. Can I just tell you something, a truth you need to understand? And that is this. The presence of problems does not mean the absence of God. Just because you're going through something doesn't mean God has left you. And I think part of the problem is it's our view of culture and a view of life today and how we see God. You know, we live in, and it's an old term, we live in a hedonistic culture. Have you ever heard the word hedonism? Have you ever heard that term? Maybe you haven't heard it. I'll explain it to you real easy. And then you'll go, oh, that's what we live in. Hedonism is basically this. It means you pursue pleasure and you avoid pain. Does that sound like life? sounds like life in America. At all costs, pursue pleasure. If it makes you feel good, do it. If it hurts, avoid it. It's bad. Here's what hedonism says. Pleasure's good. Pain is bad. And I think most of us go, yeah, that sounds about right. I like stuff that feels good. If it don't feel good, I don't want it. Pleasure's good. Pain's bad. I know, but if that's true, why do I keep going back to the gym? It's not that pleasurable. It really isn't but I keep going back to the gym and I keep kind of putting myself in the pain. You know why? Because sometimes that's why I said, because our, our philosophy of life has kind of filtered our view of God. And so all of a sudden, we got this hedonistic philosophy about life where we go, pleasure's good and pain's bad. But then all of a sudden, when it comes to God, we think, see, if God is with us, then it's going to be pleasurable. And if it's bad, that means God has left us. But we don't realize how we've twisted it because I'm really thankful that Jesus didn't avoid pain when he went to the cross and he suffered for my benefit and your benefit. In fact, don't we call it Good Friday? Not because it was good for him, but it was good for us. You see, what I'm saying is that we got this this twisted mindset about culture and then we apply it to faith. If God's with me, everything should be good. If God's with me, then it's like the Midas touch. Everything I do should turn to gold. If God's with me, I should do nothing. I, I should walk. Life is easy. Can I just tell you, if you believe that or if someone ever preached that to you, they lied to you. They lied to you. In fact, I don't, I don't mean to screw with your theology because you might have this pretty picture of God and, and it's all wrapped up in a bow, but can, can I just tell you this? If you believe that God is sovereign, that just means that he is over everything. That means he is all powerful. It means he's sitting on a throne right now in, in, in governing the world, like at the universe, it's all his, he's in control, everything. If you believe that God is sovereign, then listen to me. You need to recognize that you have to accept that either God, A, causes everything that happens in our life, or B, he allows everything to happen that happens to us. Now, now that might mess with your picture of God. But God either causes Everything, by the way, that's the good and the bad, or God allows the good and the bad to happen in your life, in my life. And sometimes this is why we wrestle with faith is because we have the wrong perspective. We put God in this box that if everything that God gives me is good, it's pleasurable that I'm just going to pursue that. Oh, by the way, everything that is pleasurable in your life is not good for you. You know that? Any parents that want to say amen to that? Not everything you put in your mouth is good for you. Not everything you put in your veins is good for you. It might feel good for a moment. It might leave you trapped for a lifetime. We we need to have a a new way of seeing this. And listen, God may send storms into your life. Ask Jonah. Because he's trying to get your attention to turn around. See, Gideon doesn't even realize that God did not cause this to happen. What God did was he allowed it to happen. God took his hand off of him. So they didn't even realize how God had protected them. They didn't realize how God, good God had been to them. They forgot God. And so God said, all right, I'll take my hand off. And the Midianites just came and did whatever they wanted to. Now, let me just say this. God doesn't do it because he's mad or he's angry, but God will always do it to develop you, to discipline you, to lead you back to him. He will either cause something or allow something. And so here's what we can trust in God. And here's how I know that he's good. is because God will use every single thing that happens in your life and my life for my good and his glory. He will use it all. He will use the painful things to develop something in me he'll use the situations where he doesn't intervene and I want him to to build my faith with perseverance so that the rest of the world can see who God is And it's so Gideon didn't understand it come on God like he had this mindset it's like if you're so good then why why is all this happening and here's the angels response I mean if you if you're really with us why well, would be going through all this So the angel says back to him in verse 14, the Lord turned to him. The angel's just speaking on God's behalf and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Here he is again. Excuse me, my Lord. Pardon me. He says, but how can I save Israel? Really? How am I going to save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord just answered back to him, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. I found this funny. See I, I kind of pick up on some of these things and maybe you don't, but I, I do this for a living, so I I get good at having a trained eye to see things. And maybe you just read past, but every time Gideon would ask him a question God never answered it. He, he said to him, if, if, if you're with us, then why has all this happened? And he never answered. He just said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. And he said, but, but, but why me? How am I going to save Israel? Just go and do it. Can I tell you this? Sometimes God will not answer your questions where you try to figure him out and why he's done certain things the way he's done them. And sometimes I think God doesn't answer when we ask why, because we can't understand. But what God always does is he redirects. Jesus was masterful at doing this. They would always ask him questions and he would just turn around and move in another direction. He doesn't even answer. I wonder if it's because God knows That Gideon's problem is not how he saw the Lord, but Gideon's problem was how he saw himself. That's how, that that was the problem. Gideon said, why me? You, you, you got the wrong address from heaven. Somebody, you delivered the mail to the wrong place. Why me? You, you don't even understand. Like, my family is the least important in all of the tribe of Manasseh. Like, like we're nothing special. We we just we're laborers. We're not even in charge of anything. You got the wrong family, wrong address, and you got the wrong son. He says, "Oh, by the way, I'm the least of my entire family. I'm the least. You should. You got. I got some older brothers." they're they're stronger they're smarter they've been to battle they you i just thresh on wheat here i just work out in the fields you got the wrong person how can i save israel You got the wrong guy. I wonder if one of the primary reasons why so many of us who say we believe in Christ and that his power, resurrection power, lives inside of us, yet we don't accomplish or even attempt anything crazy or radical for God is because of how we see ourselves rather than how we see God. I wonder if that's not the problem. I wonder if the problem is that we just look at our own lives and go, why me? I don't have anything special you got the wrong guy and I wonder if we if you keep telling yourself if I if I only had then I would all right if if I only had more experience in battle okay angel then then I believe you if I only had more time well well, then I'd serve but I'm just real busy so I just don't make time to serve If, if I if I only had more money then I would give You know, I just, but it's tight, I don't have, if I had more skill, if I had a better job, if I had more influence, if we had a bigger house, then we'd host, if I, if I, if I, if I, and we always make excuses just like Gideon. If I could just be honest, I think the majority of us as Christ followers underachieve. We don't see the purpose that God has given us. We, We see everything that we don't have. I wonder if the problems are focused. I mean, this is, this is Gideon, what can I do? How can I say? What do I have? I wonder if the problems are, are focus. Can I, can, I, can I share something to be just real, real with you? Kind of raw, like I wanna share something that um, pastors don't talk about very often from the stage. I don't. Um, there's some struggles and tensions that I feel as a pastor of our church, where, where I feel the vision and the call to, I mean, we're going to reach our cities. We're going to reach thousands, giving away millions. Like, I, this vision is so burning inside of me. And, and, and the hardest challenge I face and tension, oftentimes it's not preaching. I mean, that's a pressure, but I, but I love it. I feel called to it. It's not pastoring. It's not caring. It's not, you know, counseling. It's, it's not those things. Do you know the hardest parts that I got to do? It's when I have to manage the resources that we have. I got to manage the church and the organization. I got to manage what we do have and yet feel called to take steps of faith and looking at what we don't have. And so I felt a long time ago that God was calling us, it's time to get aggressive at reaching people. And so we're going to take a big step of faith and we're going to build a larger facility in Canal Winchester. And I believe God's going to use it to reach thousands and we're going to be able to give away millions of dollars and it's going to launch us into the next chapter of our life as a church. I get all that. But can I also tell you that I live constantly with, with, I don't want to say this because you're going to think I don't have a lot of faith, but I, I live constantly with worry. Cause I also have to manage the resources and I also need to pay the bills. We also need to keep the lights on and pay the staff. Like there's a tension in there cause God's called us and and listen, I'm excited that we're building. I can't wait, but you got to see for every piece of steel that you see go up and that massive bridge that you see put in place for every piece of concrete and steel that you see that we're building. We're also borrowing. And I wish I could tell you we have millions of dollars in the bank. Well, we got some money in the bank, but not millions of dollars. And I wish I could tell you that it's like easy to take a step of faith. But listen, it's not. It's scary. And and with all the building that happens, more borrowing happens, expenses going up, giving doesn't match it. I freak out sometimes behind closed doors. Now, I don't tell you that. And I don't come to you with it. And let me tell you why. Because you're not my source. God's the source. He owns the church. This is His to provide. So I take it to Him. But I'm going to tell you, I take it a lot. I I don't even want you to see my prayer journal. If you were to go back months and be on there, you would see how it's like every day, God, I'm praying for provision. I'm praying for the increase. I'm praying for that. And then you can be in a season where you don't see the very things that you're praying for, but yet you're still called to take a step of faith. And it is scary. It's really scary. And I find myself oftentimes focusing on the gap. Let me tell you what the gap is. The gap is what I'm praying for versus what we have it's the gap what i'm praying and believing god for and what you have that gap in your life it's what you're praying for but you haven't yet seen it it's what you feel like god's calling you to but you haven't yet taken it it's that gap i've been praying for that gap and all i could do is think about how we haven't reached that gap and we're not closing on the gap we're not in this and so i just prayed more and it just consumes my prayers and so i was sitting on a mower it's tuesday and I'm sitting there, and oftentimes that's when I like to get lost and listen to books or sermons or things that just feed my spirit. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm praying about the provision that we need and the increase that we need. And I felt like the voice of God spoke to me in just a moment while I was sitting on that mower. You know, God can speak to you anywhere, anytime if you're leaned into him. And so in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, would you stop focusing on what you don't have and start thanking me for what you do have? Dude, I was convicted to the core and I realized all I ever do is pray about what we don't have, but I don't stop to thank God for what we do have. And so I just started to make a decision in that moment. I'm going to start thanking God. I'm going to thank God. It's in my prayer journals. God, thank you for what I do have. Thank you for the money that we do have. Thank you for the resources and the people that you have given to us. I'm going to start thinking maybe we need to start stewarding what God has already given to us instead of so focused on what I don't have. How am I supposed to save Israel? I don't have anything. I don't have any special skill. I don't have any special gifts. I wonder if some of you have felt Called To lead an area of ministry you've called to serve you're called to do something, but you're like, what do I have? I don't have it. I want to speak to you today. Stop focusing on what you don't have and Notice and start to see what God has already put inside of you What God has already given you because the angel spoke to him and he said go in the strength you have That's that's all he told him go in in the strength you have but i i i don't have and go in the strength you have you have enough can i give you a truth today i want this to resonate in your heart i want you to see this about your life today instead of focusing on the gap focusing on what you don't have if you could receive this today i believe this to be true that what you have is all that god needs Come on, let me say it again. What you have is all that God needs. What you have is all that God needs. Well, I don't have anything special. What you have is all that God needs. I don't have any great skills. I can't preach. I can't. What you have is all that God needs to change your workplace. Well, I I don't have a ton of influence at school. What you have is all that you need and for God to use you to do extraordinary things. He said, go in the strength you have. We need to stop being so focused on what I don't have. It reminds me of the story of this widow, this widow that came to the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings 4, and her her husband had just died, and he was the provider, and now she was left with with debt, and she said, creditors are coming to take my two boys as slaves, because she didn't have anything else. And so she goes to the prophet Elisha, she said, I don't know what to do. They're coming to take my boys as slaves to pay it off. I don't, I don't know what to do. And Elisha looked at her and, and he said, what do you have in your house? And here's her answer, nothing. What do you have? I have nothing. I wonder how often God is really pressing upon your life and your heart. Let's, let's change something in that situation. What do you have? Nothing, I, I don't really have any. She said nothing and then, and then you get the dot, 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 the pause. And then she says, well, nothing except a little bit of oil. I said, I I just got a little bit of oil. That's all I got. That's all I got. If you know the story, that what you have is all that God needs. What you have, I just have a little bit of oil. I only have and he said to her what you need to do by faith is get empty jars and then you start pouring the oil into those jars and you're going to see the power of god begin to be released in your life and i what i want to say to some of you is you don't even realize that you have just a little bit of oil you're saying i don't have much in my life but you have a little bit of oil if you've got a little bit of the presence of god inside of you if you've got a little bit of his power inside of you that you have all you need so that god can do something extraordinary if you would just. let him pour it out of you let him pour it out of you let him use you to do something wow i don't have anything yeah you do gideon go in the strength you have he said "But, but but my family is the least and i i am the weakest in my family the real problem was this and this is what i think gideon's issue was most of us, the real problem, I think we're listening to the wrong voice. Why, why do we get comfortable and settle into a life that has so little meaning except for I want to make a lot of money? There's not a lot of meaning in that. Why, why is it that we settle into a life where we feel like, well, that's for them to do, and those people lead, and those people, I, I just come and I just sit. So you just come to church and sit. So you just go through life, you go through work, you do, it's work, it's routine, you do the stuff the kids need, you just show up, and that's life. Can I just say something a little maybe in your face? When are you gonna start to believe that God has a purpose for you that is greater than just making a living? That God had a real purpose and destiny for you? And it may not be mine. He may not be calling you to pastor. He may not be calling you to preach. But God's put something inside of you. The problem is we're listening to the wrong voices. This is why I I, I want you to see the very first thing that the angel said to Gideon. You might have missed this. In Judges 6.12, it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said this. The Lord is with you. And what did he call him? Everybody say it out loud. Mighty Come on. We can do better than that. Lancaster, I want to hear you. The Lord is with you. Mighty that's funny because he's hiding in a wine press he ain't, he's not taking on the midianites he's hiding but the first thing that god speaks to him is not of his current situation it's not of his current fears it's not his current insecurities but the first thing that the angel speaks on behalf of God as he speaks to the potential that God had put inside of him. He may not even realize that God put within him to be a mighty warrior. So God has to speak and call it out. Can I ask you, what voice are you listening to in your life? Because the voice of God will always speak to the potential that he put inside of you before he ever formed you, before a day of your life had ever been lived. God had planned it from the foundation of the world. See, God will speak potential and God will speak life over you. But your enemy will speak limitations. Your enemy will speak fear. Your enemy will speak insecurities in your life. The real question I'm asking today is what voice are you listening to? Maybe you have people in your life that have told you your entire life that you will not amount to anything Maybe you told somebody when God had put a dream in your heart It was so big and it was so crazy and they just said that's stupid Maybe you had some figure in your life that was not positive influence Maybe you had a guardian Maybe you had a parent a teacher that spoke negativity over your life, This spoke about your limitations, or maybe it wasn't the voices around, but it was the voices inside. You said, I've got a learning disability. I'll never amount to much. I I struggle. I don't have enough skill. I'm not smart enough. I didn't get a good enough score on my ACT. I'm never going to amount to anything special. I just want to say, what voice are you listening to? Because that's not the voice of your maker, your creator, who put within you every single thing that he wanted to draw out of you, to use it, for his glory god will always call you by what he sees in you do you know that he will always call you by what he's put in you not what others say about you that's why i, I like what god did with abraham you know abraham the guy who kind of kick-started the whole narrative of the old testament off Do you know, one of the first things that God said to Abraham was he said, I will make you a father of many nations. God called him father when he had no children and they couldn't have children. God called him a father, leader of great nations. And then he went through 25 years of still being barren with his wife. God spoke it over his life because God knew what he had put inside of him regardless of of what he had experienced. And I want to let this passage speak to us today. It's found in Romans 4. As as I close, I want you to hear this because Paul Paul wrote these words and said, what was so special about Abraham? Because God obviously, he picks people who are really special to do special things. God picks extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. No, he doesn't. I love what Paul says here, let this speak to you today. He says this, we call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint. It wasn't because he was so good. Why do you use that person? Well, they must be, spe- they're just special, they're, they're a saint. No, he says, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a what? Everybody say it, when he was a... I love that, because that's how a lot of us feel. I'm just a nobody. I'm not a somebody, I'm a nobody. That's okay. God likes nobodies. He specializes in nobodies. Abraham was a nobody. It says this, isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father, listen, and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. To raise the dead to life and with a word make something out of nothing. Do you know that when God speaks a word that something always happens? Do you know that when God speaks a word in your life something happens? Do you know all of creation can testify that when God speaks a word all he has to do is speak a word and the heavens are created. All he has to do is speak a word and the universe keeps expanding. That when God speaks a word that nothing can change it. Nothing can stop it. When God has spoken a word over your life you need to begin to receive it and by faith begin to walk in it because i'm telling you this god is always calling people that feel like they're unqualified he's always calling people that feel like they're nobodies abraham didn't have kids moses couldn't speak well god said i'm gonna put you in charge joshua is inexperienced in battle i'm going to use you to lead the israelites into into take the promised land he took david who is a shepherd boy talk about being the least of your family left out in the field by his parents and god said i'm going to choose him and i'm going to use him because i know what i put inside of him today i just want to say would you just allow god to speak a better word over your life today come on god wants to speak a better word over your life can you all stand to your feet today i just want you to receive this Come on, I don't think we need to leave here today, walking out thinking, well, I'm just an average person. You better not leave here today thinking, well, God can't use me to do something great. If God can use Gideon, if God can use the disciples who kept screwing up, can I say something? God can use you. If he can use anybody, he can use me, He can use you, but what you need today is you needed someone to maybe speak the voice of God over your life, that you're the head, you're not the tail. You're the chosen one. He has chosen you. You're his people of grace that rests on you, that God calls you mighty warrior when you still have fears and insecurities. God says, I'm going to use you in your schools. I'm going to use you at work. I'm going to use you at home. God says, I want to do something in the community through you. You need to start to receive that come on both our locations you just bow your heads close your eyes let me pray this over you come on i believe that god wants to release something maybe some of you feel like you don't have much to give you don't have a lot to offer god says you've got the oil the oil of gladness The oil of his spirit is resting inside of you. If you follow him, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. You need to know that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to use you. And so I proclaim right now by faith, God. I proclaim your calling, your purpose. I proclaim, God, your truth. I, I speak against the voice of the enemy. I speak against the voice of insecurities in our lives that try to keep us from the purpose you've called us to. God, we just cut it off. I pray right now the voice of God would speak into every heart, every mind, every young boy, every young girl. God has called you. God has equipped you. You are all that you need to be. You are exactly who we wanted.